Every successful business, big or small, depends on the skills and motivation of their workforce. And in today's highly competitive world of business, every employee counts. And that's why we're here to help you find better. Welcome to the Monster Hiring Podcast, featuring expert advice on how to hire, lead, and motivate your workforce, and keep yourself motivated. I'm Connie Blazik, editor of the Monster Resource Center. Thanks for tuning in. I invite you to visit our library of resources at hiring.monster.com. What if your company culture offered unconditional love, forgiveness, and nurtured you to be your best? Sounds extraordinary, doesn't it? In this Monster Podcast, we'll hear about a global company where everybody matters. Stay tuned. principles guide your company's leadership? Are they based on trust? Do they strive to help employees realize their true success? Is there a commitment to bringing out the best in every individual and celebrating them? Those are a few of the guiding principles of leadership at Barry Waymiller, a global capital equipment and engineering consulting company. As its chairman and CEO, Bob Chapman is committed to using the power of business to build a better world by treating every employee with integrity. Bob Chapman joins us to talk about his vision of leadership, which he explains in his book, Everybody Matters, The Extraordinary Power of Caring for Your People Like Family. It's co-authored with Raj Sisodia, and the book is published by Portfolio, an imprint of Penguin Random House. Bob, thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you. Now, if I walked into any one of the 80 companies that comprise the Barry Waymiller world of global business, would I notice anything different? Are employees treating each other differently? Is there a different tone to the place? Well, you know, as CEO, I might get a view being CEO of the company, but what I'd say to you is that we, in the last four years, we've had some amazing people from the field of education, authors of leadership, um, ma major consulting firms, send people in because they've heard about our culture. And I'm, I'm, and I'm going to tell you what they said. They said universally to me, and that's why we wrote the book, they say these exact words, I have never seen anything like this. Hmm. And Amy Cuddy, who is the number two TED Talk in the world, she's a Harvard professor, she talked to dozens of people in several of our plants. And she sat down and we taped her interview and she said, I thought places like this only existed in my head. This is as close to utopia as I've ever seen. Wow. And so I, so I would say to you, the universal feedback, and that's why we wrote the book. Mm -hmm. we, didn't, we didn't create this culture uh, uh, for any other reason than we were awakened to the need to care for our people, that it's a fundamental responsibility of leadership to care for our people. But when people started hearing about it and, and asking to come in and see it, their statements were so strong. You know, again, amazing people. One gentleman was a contributing editor to Forbes, uh, Srikumar Rao, and he came in and spent two days talking to our people. And he said, Bob, I've interviewed hundreds, if not thousands, of CEOs, and I've never seen anything like this. And so what they describe it as, Connie, is a family, not like a family. They describe it as a family. Now, why do they use the word family? Because where is our ultimate place of safety and caring? It's the family unit. And they use almost without thinking the word family to describe how they feel about it. Mm. 
And that, that I think, is interesting that it's coming from, in response to what the culture is creating rather than um, saying that we're a family and as families we do this because then right, that right. imposes a certain kind of dictation of of you know how we how we do things and from the top down and that's probably not the model that you're talking about here no uh we the model you know people say to me can you boil it down into a really short sentence and i say yes simply care care about the people whose lives are entrusted to you we we talk you know, and again, my learning came from trying to be a parent of six children, trying to be a responsible parent, good husband, and raise good kids. And, and, and so I made a really dedicated effort to learn how to care for these precious lives that had been entrusted to us through birth. And in the process, I was also trying to run a business that was challenged with management practices that I learned in my management degree uh, and what I saw in the world of business. And what I realized uh, in the, right around the late 1990s, early 2000, was that what I learned about parenting was about leadership. Hmm. What I learned in business school was about management. And management is basically telling other people what to do and using them for my success. Leadership is allowing people to come together in groups, create a vision for a better future, and realize it together, which is the number one source of happiness in the world, a good job working with people you enjoy. Mm-hmm. You spend too many hours a day to not have that kind of experience, I would, I would say. <laughs> well, remember, statistically, 88% of all people who work in this country feel they work for an organization that does not care about them. Mm. Three out of four people, according to Gallup, are disengaged in what they're doing. The evidence is overwhelming that management is not the way we are called to treat each other. Mm -hmm. And we found, which is... I want your listeners to hear this because I never heard this before this. We came to realize this. The way we treat people at work affects the way they go home and treat their families, their marriages, their children, others. For a fact, we know that. And, and therefore, if we're sending people home every day, the vast majority of people who work in organizations go home feeling unappreciated for who they are and used for what they know. We know that they treat their family less than they would intend to if they felt cared for themselves. So we're destroying the family unit. Mm -hmm. We are creating a conflict in this country because we're sending people home damaged. Mm -hmm. That is so powerful. And I, I guess it, you know, it really seems to me to speak to corporate or company responsibility. And frankly, I wonder if that's, that's more than some businesses might have bargained for, um, you know, in this, in this contract that you're talking about. With employees, yeah, I say, I say, Connie, when I went to, I got an accounting degree in Indiana, and then I went to and got an MBA at Michigan, and then I got a job in Price Waterhouse, and then I went into business, and I was taught it was always about me and my success. I was never taught to care about other people. I was taught you need to do this to have a successful career, and we call success, success, money, power, and position. And the revelation in our journey was that these people whose lives are entrusted to us every day uh, are somebody else's precious child that was brought into this world with the hopes that that child could be who they're intended to be. And in business, we're destroying the hopes of these people. We used to call it people-centric leadership when we first surfaced this idea of caring. 
leadership focused on people. Simon Sinek came in here, and he's been in here a million times now, uh, and he said, Bob, this is truly human leadership. This is the way we are called to treat each other in the world. Let's get down to some of the um, tactics and strategies that, that created this wonderful culture. Um, so how do you train managers to value creation at work, value in, uh, inspiring their employees? What approach do you take with those managers? Well, first of all, if I could ask something of all your listeners, I would beg them to stop using the word managers, bosses, and supervisors because those words imply a behavior that is dysfunctional. We need, we need teachers, coaches, and mentors. We need people who care, and managers don't care they use. So we said what we need to do is we need to create a train, uh, university. We can't send anybody to our great graduate schools in this country because we don't teach leadership. We teach management. So we said we got to teach it ourselves. So we decided to create disciples. We needed to create a university to teach how to care because we don't teach that. We teach how to use for your success. And so we started with a clean sheet of paper, and, and we created the idea from you know how pilots operate who are concerned with your safety. We created the idea of a leadership checklist, things you need to think about every day when people enter your care. And, and, and then we began teaching. We created classes. It started at Barry University where we teach classes on how to, to actualize our checklist. And so we, you know, we now probably spent, you know, we're a $2.5 billion company, 11,000 people around the world. Uh, and, and, again, I want to mention to your uh, audience, this is a universal issue, and it's not just in business. It's in healthcare, It's in the military. It's in government. Uh, it's in nonprofits. We are not creating leaders. We are creating managers. And managers manage. They don't inspire. We treat people with disrespect. We use them, which affects their health. It affects their family. It affects the next generation of children we're raising. So there's, it's, it's, we don't need anything but to care. Mm-hmm. And you talk about the necessity to making it safe to care in a work environment, because maybe people might not um, automatically feel that, that this behavior is something that will be accepted or, you know, the nurturing of it. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Uh, Simon Sinek calls it the circle of safety. Um, right now, because of layoffs, downsizing, firings, all these things, people don't feel valued or they, and they don't feel safe. So they spend their time doing what it takes to do the job, giving just what it takes to do the job, and trying to protect their job. Not trying to help each other, trying to protect themselves because they don't want to be the person uh, that, te- that, that shares with a young person that joins the company. Uh, and, and so people don't feel safe because of the behavior of leadership with downsizing, firings, uh, uh, you know, not not holding up good behavior, and so when people don't feel safe, they are protecting their jobs and not sharing. And you know, we we had a goal simply to send people home fulfilled. That's where we kind of started. And and to send people home fulfilled, you need to care about them. And the beauty of that is, when I care about you, you naturally feel safe caring about others. And that means when I care about you, you also feel safe. Mm. It is on a daily basis that the principles that you're talking about are exemplified and 
you know, moved forward and knitted together within a company's culture. But then there's also the push-comes-to-shove moments when, say, in the 2008 recession, a lot of fallout. You talk about this in the book where you know, everybody's talking about, well, we're going to have to lay off people. We're going to have to do this. And yet you took a very different approach. Can you, can you explain that? Well, you know, prior to us embracing this expression, we measure success by the way we touch lives of people, I would have laid off people. That's what we do in business. It's not personal. You know, it's just what you do in business, you know. Uh, and so I would say to you, um, but in my heart, it had it been enlarged by this awareness of the way we touch the lives of people. So about a month or so later, uh, having not taken any action, the only could get through it, I got an email when I was in Italy at our Italian operations where they said our order, just a major order, we had a big order with a large client, was put on us extended hold, and all of a sudden the work we had to kind of get us through our largest plant disappeared. And I, I sat in my hotel room in Italy and said, oh, my God, what are we going to do? If we do what I would naturally, what everybody does, we'll hurt people. And I said to myself, if we measure success by the way we touch the lives of people, what would a caring family do if a caring family, a member of the family is under stress? Without, without question, we would all take a little pain so that nobody had to take a lot of pain. So I sat and crafted some ideas, the most significant, which I'd never heard of before. Never, I mean, nobody suggested it, never heard of it. I said, what if we all took a month off, you know, whenever we want so we can have a good time with our family or friends, uh, et cetera, uh, so that nobody has to be let go. And so I crafted, you know, the ideas, Joel and I crafted an email to our back to our operations team back in St. Louis. And I said, I'm on my way back from Italy. Give this some thought, how we could deploy this immediately. And the reaction was amazingly positive because people started volunteering to take other people's time. They felt safe. They knew they weren't going to be let go. And they didn't take a month off so the company could make more money. They took a month off to help somebody else save their job. Mm. And we got through that economic downturn and we bounced right out of it. And you can't believe what that meant to our people, to feel safe and to help their friends feel safe. You know, nobody ever calculates uh, when you – you know, I just read of a major corporation that laid off 1,900 people in corporate offices, you know, and they got 80,000 employees. Why would somebody announce they laid off 1,900 people when they got 80,000 people and they hired 9,000 last year? Because they're sending a message to the market that the market wants here. We're lowering our costs. So we're going to be more profitable, okay? So layoffs are used to send messages to the market. We're going to be more competitive. We're streamlining our business. It's viewed by investors as a positive message. Usually your share price goes up if you announce, you know, why do we have these major companies announcing layoffs? Because their share price goes up because the market says, good job, good job, tough decision, good job. So, I, you know, it was, it was totally – it was only because we'd embraced these guiding principles of leadership that my mind went in a different direction that it had gone in the previous 35 years. Mm -hmm. Is it really possible to change the marketplace, that, that response that you're talking about, that you know, the shareholders, the, the greater market of, of that, I don't know if it's a knee-jerk response, but okay, they've laid off people, they're serious about profits. Is it really possible through reforming or changing culture within a company to then change the thinking in the marketplace? You know, um, Kind of, that's a great question. I want to believe, you know, I'm an eternal optimist. 
I get a chance to talk about this all over the world. You know, we operate all over the world, Italy and Germany and France and England, America, all over the country. Everybody loves this message. Nobody ever debates this message with me. But it it is so far out away from the conventional mentality of using people for our success. As somebody just said, and I gave a talk a couple of days ago, somebody said, you know what companies are? They're all about products and profits. There's no P for people in companies. They're simply, you know, if we can justify letting some people go, if we got to send them away, you know, it's, they'll get another job. Don't worry about it. So can we change? I don't think there's any question we can. All we have to do is care. And and we are going to scream at the top of every mountain till my last breath that this is the way we are called to live together and this is what we want for our children, our friends' children, and the world's children. We want a chance for people to be a part of an organization where they feel safe and valued so that they can go home and treat their family as they've been treated. And is there data... Um findings that can prove to people who say, well, what about profits? What about shareholder interest and in, in driving success that proves that this model works, that, that it actually creates and generates better profit? Well, I, I've got two answers for you. One is that when the, when the overwhelming data says that 88% of the people go home feeling the company doesn't care for them, three out of four are disengaged. Do you honestly believe that people are sharing their gifts fully with you in the various roles they have at the company. Clearly not. Uh, I would then say to you that in our company, we did not do it to improve our profitability. We did not do it to improve our culture. We did it because we were awakened to, to the fundamental caring for the people whose lives we touched. But I would say to you, when we launched the new version of our company uh, uh, in 1988, we had a great business strategy shaped by our previous decade of experiences. So we were doing very well, uh, you know, probably 10, 15 percent, 20 percent year growth in our share price. Uh, even though we're a privately held company, we have kind of a quasi-public price. So we measure our share price. But there's no question. And so we didn't do this to do better. We did it because we were awakened that a fundamental responsibility of leadership is to care for people. But I would say to you, since we have done that, uh, our performance has been amplified. And people, you know, we, we are a company that, you know, we've acquired 79 companies around the world, never sold a company. We adopt companies. We don't, we don't manipulate companies. And, uh, and now people are bringing companies to us because they want their company to be a part of a company that will care for their people beyond their ownership. I don't know how to monetize that. Uh, but I, I'd say to you, the benefits of caring for people far outweigh the cost. And if we're remodeling business in the way that you're talking about, I think it's going to open the door to a lot of people rethinking that, well, maybe I can find what I'm looking for in a company. A year ago, we hired uh, 217 engineers from around the country, outstanding engineers. Last year, we hired 175 engineers. The next three years, we have to hire 700 engineers to meet what we think will be the demand for this. And we are finding people all over the country that say, if it's really true that your company cares, that's where I want to work. <laughs> it's a, it's an, I mean, and how do you put an economic, you know, I'm an accountant. I can justify anything, okay? But if you just go to your heart and your head, why, why would you need to justify caring? 
if you sat down like I do and listen to people that join us and they tell you, I say, I'm just curious, what was your, you know, if you had two or three jobs, one or two jobs, what's it like? You can't believe what I hear. And it affirms everything I told you statistically. It is brutal out there for people. And why do they keep their jobs? Why do some people not leave? Because they can't afford to leave. It. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they, and if they change jobs, they figure I'm just going to go from one abusive situation to the other. Wow, this has been such a powerful conversation. I'd like to wrap it up just by asking you if you can consolidate one message that um, employers who are listening can take away to start to rethink how they approach or bring caring into the workplace. I think that'd be a great way to end. Well, you know, I guess I'd, I'd, we, we actually wrote a quick summary of the message of the book, and that's what I'd give every CEO. And it basically says, everybody wants to do better trust them. Leaders are everywhere in your company. Find them. People achieve good things, big and small, every day. Celebrate those progresses with people every day. Some people wish things are different. Listen to them. Everybody matters. Show them. It is an unbelievably powerful model that allows people to live lives of meaning and purpose and a chance for happiness in their life. And when people are happy and joyful, they do amazing things. So, uh, and the simple message, Connie, is all you have to do. You don't need a memo from the board. You don't need anything other than to care. And if you pick up the book, Everybody Matters, the reason we wrote the book is a lot. Nobody debates it with us, but they don't know how to do it. They don't know how to care. What does it mean to care? And, you know, we're not talking about parental care. We're talking about human caring. And so if you read the book, it says this is how we care, and we, we want to share it with the world because we believe it will profoundly change the world for the, your listeners as well as everybody they're related to in the world, and it will make the world a better place. Bob Chapman's book is Everybody Matters, The Extraordinary Power of Caring for Your People Like Family, co-authored with Raj Sisodia. It's published by Portfolio, an imprint of Penguin Random House. Bob is chairman and CEO of Barry Way Miller, a global capital equipment and engineering consulting company. Bob, thank you so much for speaking with me. It was an honor. Thank you for the time. And uh, I hope your listeners, if they have any questions, will, will contact us and so we can share this journey. We want to make a difference in the world. We invite you to read an excerpt from Everybody Matters. Go to the Monster Resource Center on hiring.monster.com. That's hiring.monster.com. Click on the Resource Center tab when you get there. Our podcast page also includes a transcript of our conversation with Bob Chapman, as well as a special offer for Monster Podcast listeners who are looking to find better. I'm Connie Blazik. Thank you for listening. Thank you.